Hi Gerard, my name's Michaela, I work for the NHS and I have a role in ensuring that we get patient intelligence and we capture what our patients want. So I was really interested in what your thoughts were about what social marketing was. Well, Social marketing really tries to take some of the insights that come out of commerce, by no means all of them, it's not about commercialisation, but it's about the way in which businesses spend a lot of time and effort and resource in trying to understand what their customers want. And they think very carefully about it, they do a whole raft of different research techniques to, to get inside the heads of the people they're doing business with to walk in their shoes, to use the the Chinese cliche. So if I was doing that locally, for example, wanting to speak to people about what they needed, what they wanted, what would I need to do? If you wanted to conduct formal research, which is an important part of getting to know your your customers, then you can do everything from qualitative techniques right through to very quantitative, massive social surveys of one sort or another. And the the range is is important because sometimes you do want to count heads and just get an idea of the uh, prevalence of a particular behaviour, for example, and then you need large samples and questionnaires and tick boxing almost. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, if you're trying to find out more about why people do a particular behaviour, take, take smoking as an example. You, you want on yeah. the one hand to count how many smokers there are, but also you want to drill down a bit and find out you know, why people started to smoke in the first place, what they get out of it, why they continue to do so. Get beyond the tick box, in other words, the, you know, the top of the head answers and uh, really get inside people's heads. Then you use much more qualitative procedures. Perhaps the best known one is the focus group, where you get a, a small group of people together and just talk informally, a bit like we are now. Yeah. But you can do that with individuals. You can also do observations. If you want to know, for example, about young people's drinking behaviour, you could do a lot worse than yeah. just go and sit in a pub and where young people go and see what happens and you'll get an idea of where the young people themselves are coming from and how they interface with all the activities in the pub to understand the behaviour. Yeah, I mean, often when I speak to um, practitioners, GPs and nurses, they feel that they do know their customers and their clients, but I sometimes struggle with trying to, to enhance that. If I was sat at work and I wanted to try and introduce these types of techniques into my job, what advice would you give me? How would I get GPs and nurses on side? One of the best ways, I think, is if you can get them to interface with the customer themselves. If you s- somehow you can manage a situation where they meet and talk to ordinary people and can hear how they make sense of the world. I think often mm. in public health we end up with a, an overinflated sense of our own power. We think yeah. people are, are waiting to hear the words of wisdom before they organise their lives, whereas in reality, of course, you know, people get on with it and public health may impinge on them, but not a, a lot which really, I think, brings us to a core marketing idea, which is that we need to have a certain amount of trust and faith in our customer base. We will touch their lives periodically, but we're not going to run their lives. So we have to get them on side, pushing in the same direction as we are. And to do that, we've got to get some alignment between you know, their hopes and aspirations and our hopes and aspirations. And always keep in mind that when those two vary, it's at least worth stopping and thinking, well, it's not because they're wrong or stupid. They see the world differently for good reasons. And we need to get our heads around those. So do you see social marketing sitting with public health or with communications within the health environment? 
Well, take the latter of those. I think it's very important to recognise that marketing and social marketing are not synonyms for communication. Right. Um, marketing does include some communication. So, you know, the classic textbook definition going back decades of marketing, you know, it takes in the four P's of product, price, promotion and place. Promotion is the communication side of that, includes every sort of communication you can imagine. But it's only a quarter of what is going on. So, you know, it's also about making sure that whatever it is you want people to buy is available, that it's at a price they're prepared to pay. And price doesn't necessarily have to be commercial. It might not be a financial price you pay, but it may be a a convenience price. It may be an embarrassment Mm. price. It may be an effort price. So we need to to recognise those as well. But in many ways, marketing can't even be seen just in terms of the four Ps. It's about understanding where your customers are coming from and building a meaningful relationship with them. And you can almost get to a place where the actual exchange of money for product just becomes a symbol of that relationship. I spoke to a lady who smoked and on a fairly low income and she felt that smoking gave her a time away for herself, away from her kids and her me time. Mm. And I found that quite a difficult one to challenge because for that lady, that was her, almost her luxury. She knew it wasn't good for her, but it gave mm. her her me time and away from her kids. And and that I thought, yeah. that's a real challenge, isn't it? it? It is a real challenge. But on the other hand, Michaela, if you talk to people who have succeeded in giving up, People like you, the the single mother you're just talking about. It is such a fantastic achievement that empowers all parts of their lives. I remember speaking to a chap who given up 20 years previously. It was still front of mind. It was a badge of honour that he had succeeded in defeating this and uh, he was now smoke-free. He's an ex-smoker. And, yeah. you know, you do meet ex-smokers, don't you, who are a bit like converts. But there's a good reason why they're like that. It's not because they're arrogant people. It's because, you know, it is a, a great achievement and they feel really good about it. Now, that brings us back to marketing. What has happened there is that public health, either through the mass media campaigns or through you know, increasingly cessation services, they've delivered a fantastic consumer benefit. That is a golden nugget from a marketer's point of view. You've now got a customer who thinks you're great. And what you should do is mine that. You should keep those people involved. You should give them a loyalty card. You should get them involved in helping to run cessation services. Talk to other people. Absolutely. The source credibility of that is just to die for. To to die for. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the, the potential is enormous. And people like Weight Watchers. That's exactly what they do. That is what they do. So if you can give me some advice about going back to work and trying to get my chief execs to buy into a social marketing tool and some techniques, and I'm, I'm actually going to ask for some money, what advice would you give me? I think, first of all, what, an aspect of social marketing and marketing, for that matter, that tends to get overlooked because it's, it's kind of hidden is the importance of strategic planning. I think that would be my starting point, which would in turn start with some sort of situation analysis, some environmental scan, so you can see how this fits in to what else is going on in the patch and in the country. So if we've got some limited resource, where would you start? Would you start with the younger end, the children, or would you put a lot of emphasis in supporting people that have maybe already got a long-term condition or already in one of these situations? Where would you pick to start? I would start... Anywhere where you think you are delivering a tangible benefit that people genuinely appreciate. So to go back to stopping smoking, you know, if your stop smoking services are working well and you're helping people to quit on a regular basis, I would, first of all, just get in touch with those people. Use them as 
conduits into your communities, particularly poorer and low-income communities. And you've got people there who are already on side. What we've not done, uh, done a little bit in Scotland, but less in England and not enough in either place, is post-market that. Package that progress away from tobacco, reinforce it, brand it, make people feel really good about it. What's happening here is that public health, the NHS, if you will, has delivered a fantastic population level benefit. One in two people who don't quit will be killed by their smoking. So it's, you know, it's phenomenal amounts of people who are affected by this. And we've made this tremendous step forward. And it's almost like we've not bothered to sort of pat ourselves on the back and pat perhaps more importantly, the population on the back for having the, the wisdom to recognise this for what it was. I agree with that. I think sometimes we do get the comment that it wouldn't work here. So if, for example, something worked really well in Scotland yeah. and you know, you're maybe in London or you're in Swindon or mm. somewhere completely different and you consider your area to be different, what advice would you give for somebody that's trying to replicate some other good practice? Clearly, there are regional differences, and there, there may be times when you want to customise things to particular areas. Other times, I don't think that's true. And, and to go back to, to the so origins of social marketing, which is commercial marketing, some marketing strategies are global. They're literally okay. putting the same sort of imagery and messages across to people north and south of the equator, let alone north and south of the Tweed. Clearly, it's possible to do that, and there are you know, certain human needs and certain perceptions that transcend. Other times, there will be very specific things, um, and we do need to target and segment, not just in terms of geography, but in terms of gender, in terms of age, in terms of life experience. Mm-hmm. You know, clearly, you're going to think about doing slightly different things with smokers and non-smokers, for example. Yeah. Um, so th- that makes sense. But the danger is that we think every time we do something, we necessarily need to target and segment. And there are times when that actually can be a counterproductive option. Yeah. And And an expensive option. Yeah, and the obvious one at the moment, I think, and there's a lovely contrast here between England and Scotland in this respect, is on alcohol, where in England they have very much gone down the route, one that's uh, advocated and loved dearly by the alcohol industry, that the problems that we have with drink now are ones of misuse by minority subgroups, particularly young binge drinkers. So you have a policy that focuses on targeting teenagers drinking in the street and so on and ignores largely everything else that's going on. Whereas the public health evidence base is that it's all our drinking that's got out of hand. People drinking at home. And indeed, you know, philosophically, um, but with very practical ramifications, this is a collective problem. Yeah. And if we don't handle it collectively, then we're missing the core engine here. And interestingly enough, in Scotland, They have grasped that nettle and Kenny McCaskill produced a document and Nicola Sturgeon produced a document which specifically says this is about rebalancing Scotland's relationship with alcohol. It's not about a few kids misbehaving. It's about the whole population's use of alcohol, not a few people's misuse. Excellent. So we do need to start looking at each other and sharing a bit more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Just wanted to ask you a question that would help me in my job. I do have to go to my chief exec and our senior managers to ask for money mm. to do um, social marketing projects. So what advice would you give me? Well, there's two or three things I would mention. One is go in with a plan. Don't just go in with a project. Go in with a strategic plan that shows how this is going to fit in with everything else that's going on. Because yeah. you've got to remember we're not just dealing with individuals. We have to deal with their social context. I think the, the other thing I, I would try and do is is 
get them closer to the people they're trying to do business with, the ordinary folk whose behaviours you want to engage with and, and influence. Yeah. Um, and particularly recognise that this is a long-term game, that you're not just trying to change one behaviour, you're trying to change lots of behaviours and you're trying to change them permanently very often of course, um, yeah. so really what you're in is a, is a lifestyle business and you know maybe even the cultural change business so it's a long-term process that they should recognize which means that they need to stop thinking in terms of spending money more in terms of investing money in the, yeah. the health and welfare of the people that they're, they're doing business with nonetheless they, you know they're going to want feedback that their money is not just being poured into you know and take this on trust they, they, they want yeah. some evidence and I, I think a lesson that's come out of the commercial sector over the last 10 years where heretofore you know they perhaps the equivalent would, to behavior change for them would have been sales figures yeah what's tended to happen is a recognition in business that actually sales figures are a surprisingly bad indication of how well the business is doing because, you know, that I might well buy a washing machine from a retailer, but if it breaks down or actually what I wanted was an oven, not a washing machine, but the salesman was on commission if he sold the washing okay. machine. They have apparently a great success. They've made a sale, but the customer's fed up and won't go back there again. And in the longer term, actually, it's, it's not a, a mark of success. It's a mark of failure, but they don't know that. A better measure business has decided is customer satisfaction. And I think we in public health could learn a, a, a trick from that, that if we stopped always focusing on the behaviour change, which anyway is only going to be a fragment of what we're trying to achieve, because as I say, we're in lifestyles, we're not in individual behaviours. If we started to think in terms of how people feel about public health, yeah. feel about the process of changing their behaviours, do they feel they're in the driving seat on this? Do they buy into the idea that you know what they do now will have a, an impact on how they feel tomorrow? And if we can convert people to that and make them feel that this is going to sound a bit New age, but you know they're on a journey with us, um, okay. and I think that the potential then is palpable. If we, you know, take tobacco as an example. If we could get to a place where people in your patch were all collectively agreed that tobacco is a really bad idea, I as an individual don't like it, but we as a community don't like it, and we're going to move away from it. There's a, a nice example of a campaign in uh, New Zealand actually on looking at problem gambling. And the initial reaction to problem gambling tends to be the classic one that you might take with uh, binge drinking. You know, you look at the people okay. who are obviously behaving badly and, and, and focus on them and ignore everything else. Whereas in New Zealand, what they decided was it's not just about the individuals who problem gamble. That is a difficulty and needs addressing and help and support. But it's about the impact on the whole community. So they actually ended up running a campaign saying, you know, not in our community. Yeah. No, thank yeah. you. Not in our name. You know, we, we, we don't approve of what is happening here and we object to it. The beauty of that is that it is collective. It recognises it. It doesn't fall into the trap of just focusing on the individual and, you know, perversely often ending up blaming them for their own predicament, a predicament that has come about partly through individual choices, but mainly through social circumstances. I mean, poor people smoke more than rich people, not because they're stupid, but because the no, circumstances no, they find absolutely. themselves in mean that it seems like a, a better idea than it would if you lived in a mansion. That's actually given me some good evidence for world-class commissioning as well about um, DNHS locally leading. So that, that's, that's really helpful. So yeah, thank you very much for that. It's really good. Thanks very much. My pleasure. From the Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.